0: Views expressed on the Health on a Wind podcast is not a substitute for the medical advice of your licensed physician, nurse practitioner, or any other health professional who's care you are under. Consult with your healthcare professional about any matters relating to your health and health needs, and before beginning any new health program or implementing any health information discussed on this podcast or on whatismyhealth.com. You
1: know, I I don't like being bored. I think maybe that's yeah. You know, I can sit and watch TV for hours on end. There's no question about it. Yeah. But part of me is also so curious about all these other aspects of life around me mm-hmm. that I can access through online classes. Right. And, you know, without having to pay a fortune. I just think it's a wonderful, it's, it's a, just such a wonderful thing.
0: But I'm also able to veg out and sit in front of TV <laughs> yeah. for hours. I feel I don't give myself enough time to do that kind of relaxing. And then on the other hand, I also feel like I do it too much because... I feel I put this pressure on myself to, oh, no, you, you have to get more work done. Or, right. Or you should read more. Or, yeah, yeah. that's another thing. I, I would love to read more. One, whenever I read, I, I'm very particular about my, my environment and my comfort when I read. If I am not in the right position, I, usually I'll, I'll read laying down, but when I do, I fall asleep mm. because I'm probably overtired most of the time. So, like, I have a hard time reading. One, I'm not the fastest reader. So, it takes me longer to get through the. And that actually goes back to when I was a kid. And that ties into my OCD, the way my brain told me I had to read the lines. And if I didn't read it just so, I had to go back and read over and over again. But I tend to read at a slower pace than a lot of people. So, it takes me longer to get through a book. And especially if I'm reading at night when I'm tired, laying in bed. I'll fall asleep after a few pages and it becomes frustrating after a certain point to, to get through a 200 page page book can take me months. Yeah. Sometimes. Reading a is, yeah. Not the best, but like I have, I have, I have a hard good. time reading anywhere else. And now I even have a hard time justifying making the, making taking the time true. to do it. And I know it's, you know, it's something I want to do. Yeah. Well, it's difficult with a young family. There's yeah. That's, that's true. But even before, even before we had the baby, it was, uh, you know, I was just wrapped up in so many other things that sitting down and reading felt like it wasn't enough. <laughs> you know, uh I had to be doing more with my with myself. But
1: Well, it is interesting,
0: you know, about
1: reading. I we're a big reading family here, you know. A couple of years ago we had reading contests. I would compete with the grandkids to see how many books we could read that summer. Yeah. You know, and so we stuff like that. So we've always been doing a lot of reading. But it's interesting to me. Just the other day, I was talking to this guy at the gym. Now, this fellow, its amazing to me. He's a senior vice president at a big bank. Very intelligent. CPA, former CPA. Mm -hmm. So, we were talking about, he was telling me about, he ran a marathon once. And he practiced. He he ran the New York marathon three or four years ago. And he used to come in and tell us about his practice runs and all that. And... Then he hurt his knee, so he can't run marathons anymore. Mm -hmm. But he's always been interested in marathon runners. So he was... He read about this guy who created his own triathlon. You know, like he would go to swimming pools, or he'd run, he'd bike every day. And he tried to do 50 triathlons in 50 days. So every day he tried to do a triathlon. Wow. Triathlons of his own making. Right, right. But but they were, you know, the right distance and the right time and all that. Mm -hmm. And... We were talking about how his body totally broke down and he had all sorts of problems as a result of it. And the guy wrote a book about his experience. So this friend of mine was saying, oh, well, I just bought this book about this guy's experience. And he was telling me, he says, this is really an interesting book. And I said, oh, do you read books like that all the time? Is that something you're interested in? And he goes, he goes, I never read. He goes, I haven't read a book in years. And it's just one of those comments that just shocked me. Yeah, I didn't say anything, you know. My meditation practice. Yeah, helped. right. <laughs> Filters, <laughs> turn the filter on. Turn, turn, turn filter the filter on. on. You know, but I thought to myself, wow. And he goes, well, I do a lot, you know. And then he went on to say, I do a lot of reading, you know, on the computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, news and professional stuff. And that's a lot different than reading Catherine um, Narai. You know, there's, there's a it, McCullough who writes a lot of biographies about people. Mm-hmm. And he's written biographies about President Adams and George Washington. He wrote one on Truman. And he's just a marvelous researcher. You know, it's just he just digs in and finds so many interesting aspects of these people's lives. It's like, where else could you get that? Yeah. You know? He's just really fascinating. It's just the human condition and how people just don't see the opportunity of
0: what's available. And some of this great literature and some of these great writers. Now that you mentioned it, I think I, and when you said that your friend at the gym reads, but he reads more professional things and things like that. I'm thinking now, like I haven't, I also probably haven't read a book in a couple of years at least. Um, but I I do read, as the, as the editor of the website, I read yes, everything yeah. that everybody sends. I, I read right. everybody's articles, and I put them together, and I put them up. So I am reading more than I'm conscious of the right, fact right. that I'm reading. And I can tell you, yes, okay, when I really sit down and think about it, I do read a fair amount every week. You yeah, know? <laughs> that's what he said, too. But, yeah, he, reads, he reads a
1: lot also. Because yeah. you have to in today's world. Yeah. You know, you really, it'd be impossible not to read, uh, you know... Once you have a computer, because there's always you're reading news, you're reading, yeah. you know, uh, websites of all sorts, there's all sorts of information. Yeah. Even if you want to go on vacation, you're reading travel sites. That's true. Yeah. So you're constantly reading. It, it's, but I thought it was interesting to, you know, to hear, no, I don't read. I haven't read a book in forever. I mean, it wasn't like I haven't read a book in a long time because I'm busy, because I have a family. It's because I just don't read. Yeah. And to me, I, just all kind of relate this back to health. To me, that's a healthy outlet. You know, it's like it's another it's another interesting insight. You know, now personally for me, I don't read spy books. I don't read,
0: you know, stuff like that. I'm more of a like history. I like history stuff. Right. I was gonna ask you, what do you gravitate yeah, to um, knowing I, you I was gonna say I would have guessed probably history, history and Social
1: social history.
0: Yeah. To me I find fascinating. What was life like
1: in the 1850s. What was life like? You know, if I can write a book that talks about that. Yeah. Like that book on that course I took. The Modern Age, the Modern World, History of the Modern World since mm-hmm. 1750. You know, there's a lot, of, a lot of social background there. This is what was going on in the world. This is what people thought. Yeah. You know, the Civil, civil War classes were the same way. Um, like, here we have recently all this talk of tariffs. And I realized, you know, I don't know anything about tariffs. I don't know anything about, I mean, basically, I basically understand what a tariff is. Right, right. But I don't know, really, have we done it in the past? Why have we done it? And so, as I was thinking along those lines, thinking about, I'd like to find out more about tariffs, this author just, this guy just produced a book called History of Tariffs in, in the United States. And I went, Perfect. <laughs> yeah And so I bought the book and now I'm reading it, you know, and I just got through the first chapter which dealt with tariffs from the seventeen sixties seventeen seventies all the way to about eighteen twenty mm-hmm. who who was in favor of tariffs, why they had tariffs uh what the different different parts of the country thought about tariffs at the time, and how that all affected the politics and it's just this fascinating stuff, yeah, you know. Will that earn me any money? No. No, but it's... But I think it's just fascinating to have that perspective.
0: I mean, you never know if you go to like a trivia night and it <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> could earn you a little money, but I, I think what you're talking about and being fascinated by what life was like is similar to why I like to travel now, is, oh, yes. is I'm fascinated by seeing how other parts of the country, other parts of the world, yes. now that I've been many places yet, I'd like to travel much more than, than I have already, but... uh you know, I always like taking road trips. I always like seeing different parts of the country and just for me it was through baseball stadiums. You know, I'm trying to see all the stadiums and I've been to more than half of them now and I feel like it's kind of a little microcosm of, you know, the people in the area, the the fans Absolutely. of a team and the way they the way they celebrate when their team's doing well and I don't know. I'm just fascinated by what it's like to be and like the food in each different area is different. Yes. What's the specialty and how the stadiums were
1: built and yes. what they look like and how the structures and and the different the different types of statuary that they have exactly. They, they,
0: some of them have paintings,
1: the statuary, mm-hmm. you know, all these different kinds of yeah,
0: yeah. And so. that's for me. That's where a lot of my interest lies. Where you know the only the only thing that's the same about a baseball stadium is the infield, the dimensions of the infield. Right. Everything else outside of that, uh, those you know, the ninety feet by ninety feet all the way around, is different. Every outfield has different curvature, different dimensions, depths, and different parts of the ballpark. And then everything in the stadium is—it's fascinating to me to see not only the different stadiums, but just how it affects the game. Because it's the same game, but it—you know—in a bigger ballpark, the the strategy is different than in a smaller ballpark. You know, you might have a team that's built you're building your team a certain way based on the ballpark you're in and then radiating from that just you know how the fans of these teams celebrate how what they eat when they're at the ball game and I'm, i i love that aspect of going to all these different stadiums and when we went last year when we went to europe i that was the first time i had been overseas and just seeing how the culture was and how the people were and the lifestyle and the way they just Totally different. Totally different, and totally I think different. I think that ties back into my desire to live a longer life. Is that I want to see more. I want to yeah. see what is life going to be like too. You
1: know, I, I think it all it all adds to your dimension of understanding. You know, my idea about the human condition has been that we have in certain parts of the world, not in every part of the world, but certain parts of the world, there's been this awareness evolution. You know, we have evolved slowly, but surely. It's taken centuries, but we've evolved in our thinking about people and who they are and who they could be and what they do. And that's a fascinating aspect. And so when I read about history in 1850 or 1870... That's another part of my trying to understand is what was the thinking about people at that time? What was the social structure? Who were they biased against? Mm. Who were they not biased against? You know What was the society like? Mm-hmm. You know, what was it interested in? What did it do? You know to me, and to me, it's shown this really nice scale of maybe slow, but of awareness about life and the importance of the environment, the importance of children, the importance of women the importance of people with different beliefs mm-hmm. you know
0: so it's this gradual awareness scale i call it that's an interesting way to put it yeah and i think i think you're right it, it does seem to be it has been very slow and i know historically we you're right we have progressed and it's getting it's getting there but i feel like it's also very hard for me to say that as a male because i can never have the female experience and and what the world is like you know i don't know that i it's fair for me to say definitively because what I think is being considerate might be perceived differently but I would, what I can say is I would, like to, I would like to live long enough to see it get to a point where these these issues and, and the inequality that there, that there is is, I, I don't want it to be there at all I don't know if it will get to that point in my lifetime I hope that it does Well unfortunately right now at this moment we're in a temporary setback and,
1: you know, and I use the word temporary because I'm, I'm an optimist about America. I always have been, you know. I, I see, just to, to more specific examples, I see housing markets go up and down. Mm-hmm. Prices go up, you know, and I see people who feel that prices will continue to go up forever. And The same thing true when prices are down. Yeah. People get pessimistic. This is going to stay around. You know, we need to make changes in our lifestyle because housing prices are down. That's it's not the case. It's cyclical. It's yeah, These things are cyclical, you know. Uh, and so I think this is, I'm hoping this is the same with what's happening. Because it, it looks like we're taking a step back uh, with our current environment and how certain key aspects are acting toward all sorts of awareness issues. Mm-hmm. When it comes to women, when it comes to immigrants, when it comes to foreigners, it comes—you know—there's a whole variety of different things. LGBTQ. Yeah, and, exactly, you know. exactly. And so, I'm optimistic that in the long run, we'll get back to our values. And you know, like we say, it's all part of—it's all part of how we interact in life and how we feel and the stress level.
0: So, so through different points of the conversation we've been having, we've referred back to a healthy lifestyle or healthy eating habit. So the word healthy has come up in your mind. What does health mean to you? Well, it's changed
1: over the years, of course, you know, at this moment, because of the physical conditions that I have, um, being able to exercise regularly is an important part of my quote health. Um, having the the ability to choose my eating habits is an important part of my health Um, having the appropriate medical care is an important part of my health and so all those things kind of kind of fit together they all intermingle some more important sometimes you know than others but those are those are the three pillars really for me it's 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 physical activity, being able to exercise. It's the ability to to choose what I eat, you know, and when I want to eat, and the ability to get the medical care that I need when I need it. Mm-hmm. And so, that's those three those three things fall into what I consider health. Now, there's also the you know as we talked about earlier, there's the there's the intellectual side, and obviously. That's health, that's a part of health. There's a the financial side, you've talked about that, but they don't, they, for me personally, they are secondary to, I think part of that is because I have financial resources that I don't have to worry about it mm-hmm. at this stage, but to me those are secondary to these three things. Okay. Yeah, the, these are the most important aspects. You know, I have to have decent doctors close by, I have to have a decent hospital close by. I have to be able to get out there and exercise regularly, and I like having the ability to choose the food that I want to eat, with you know, on a regular basis. And so that's 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 the way I look at it. You know, I don't know how other people feel. I'm sure everybody's got a different points of view on it. But uh, at this stage with my medical conditions and the situation I'm in here in life
0: that's where it stands right correct me if I'm wrong but Like I, the analogy of the that toolbox that you were talking about before you said that that was a way for you to not that it wasn't health related but that it was a way for you to achieve a certain level of health
1: yeah that the toolbox has a variety of different tools in it one of the one of the tools is the meditation discipline tool mm-hmm. because getting up every day and especially with the, this current condition I have, getting up every day and going to the gym has a, an enormous... There are days when it's an enormous amount of mental discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, like we've talked about earlier yeah. before. The, you know, it, it just... There are days when it's just like damn I don't want to do this Mm -hmm. Um, and having the discipline to go no I have to do this for my long term health this is important I push myself to get there Uh, so that's you know that's a now whether that comes from the meditation tool and that led to a more disciplined tool because I understand my mindset more I have a greater awareness about my body and the way I think Mm-hmm. Uh, it all kind of folds together now. Yeah, it's not separate anymore. You know, so that that's part of it. Uh, so yeah, so it does come from that that group of tools that I've picked up over the years. Right. You know, uh, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting time to be elderly, to be a senior, to have some physical ailments but not enough that I'm totally housebound or. Mm-hmm. In a hospital or so able to do a certain amount But still feel like oh, I'm sick,
0: right? And yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's really an interesting place at this particular point in time, you know I've got these problems that Somehow at some point in time will probably become more serious, right? And so I I'm hoping all I can do is between eating the lifestyle that I choose the exercise to delay those things as long as possible. Sure. And I think I have, you know, I, I am convinced that, I mean, I first had high blood pressure probably in the late fifties is when it first showed up. And I could see then that, you know, these other elderly type diseases were hitting my way, Mm -hmm. you know, stroke, diabetes, all those things were, were possible. Um, You know, my family, no one in my family has ever lived past about 82, 83 years old. And so that's a genetic, Mm -hmm. could be a genetic factor. Right. uh, Who knows? Uh, But no one's ever
0: lived the way I'm living now. That's true too, yeah. (laughs) yeah, When you (laughs) use the word elderly, I mean, fundamentally, I know that, I know how old you are and you're, you know, you're in your 70s, but I don't, I don't think of you as elderly and I don't know if it's because you are, you do lead a more active lifestyle than a lot of people your age do maybe. And that's part of it. But like, I don't, I don't think of you that way, you know? And it's, it's interesting that you referred to yourself that way.
1: Yeah. I don't usually do that. Yeah. There are moments when, yeah, there are moments when I feel it.
0: There are moments when I feel elderly. (laughs) I'm
1: 32. So, you know, Part of that also comes from those trainings we talked about earlier where um, confronting your limits, you know, Mm -hmm. confronting your personal mental limits, not your physical limits, but you're confronting your your personal mental limits and say, oh, I can't do that. That's not something that I could possibly do. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been trying to push those limits in my own way in the last four or five years. You know, uh, I never did weight training, so mm-hmm. I, you know now I can do weights. I never did much stretching or anything of that nature. You know now I've taken yoga, done some Pilates, and I've learned a lot about stretching. Uh, you know now the self defense class, which inv- involves boxing and and kickboxing and grappling on the ground. I mean, it's like this whole new experience, and you know for, for Four or five, seven years ago, someone said, hey, we want you to take a boxing class. Yeah. I went, you're crazy. Today, it's like, this is great. I am so glad I can do this. And I feel like I'm learning something. And yeah, I'm never going to box anybody. It's no. ridiculous. But I just, for my personal enjoyment, mm. a personal uh, self-confidence level, it's been, it's been, it's been great. And so that's all. That's all part of that, you know, toolbox thing is like, okay, there's another tool that I learned is that I can push myself to do something I haven't done before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, hopefully I don't hurt myself. Right. Be yeah. careful. And, I mean, know, there's
0: always the risk of that happening. I mean, I, get, I, I got hurt from a young age. So it's, yeah, I, I mean, guess I mean, there's a greater I'm risk. I'm not going to no.
1: I think that would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> That's not in my,
0: in my toolbox, uh, you know, that's a limit I won't go beyond. What is that? Uh, paragliding? Paragliding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I always uh, felt like skydiving, bungee jumping was never something yeah, that exactly. interested me. And maybe, exactly. I don't know, who knows, maybe when I feel like I've done enough of the things I want exactly. to do, I'll yeah. say, you know what, yeah. I'll go skydiving and whatever happens, happens. I've done enough. <laughs> but yeah. knowing myself and the way I never feel like I've done it, I always feel like I have to be doing more. I don't know if sky, that skydiving that's, is going to... Exactly. Every, exactly. Every jumping out of, of
1: <laughs> You know, I was a navy pilot, and so, you know, the idea of jumping out of a perfectly good airplane makes absolutely yeah. no sense to me. But yeah. Yeah. Big. No, that's true. I want two engines. Two. You know, I remember this one guy used to say. He goes, "The best airplane in, that you could possibly fly is as a pilot, is you look to your right and there's nothing but co-pilots, and you look to your left and there's nothing but engines." There's, a lot of engines, a lot of
0: co-pilots. That's the best kind of flying. So, it's funny when I with the fact that we we've, we've really talked minimally about your experience in the Navy. It's like
1: yeah, the, the Navy was
0: interesting. You know, I boy,
1: I was eighteen when I went in. I, eight, oh, oh, between eighteen and nineteen, I don't remember exactly now. But I did absolutely no you know no athletics in high school. So I was just a normal kid who just played and, you know, sandlot stuff. Yeah. uh, So I got out. I wasn't particularly strong. And when I went into basic training, this was aviation. It was tailored for aviation basic training. So when I went in, we started these... There were two aspects to the training. One is intellectual. You did all this study on airplanes and engines and electrical systems and all that. And the other part was physical. And of course, then there's the discipline part of marching and all that kind of stuff. Right. But the physical part was swimming, running, obstacle courses, uh running through sand and in, in big boots, uh, just all sorts of stuff, running cross country. I mean, the physical part was very extensive. I literally failed everything i was so i mean i was just totally out of shape i had no concept of what physical fitness was Mm -hmm. and so i went up for my first swim test i failed it went up for my first physical pt test i failed it i went up to my first cross-country test i failed it i went to my 60 yard run test i failed it every test was an enormous challenge for me and so i had to go back and redo it, and retrain for a week, two weeks, whatever the time period was, and take it all over again. So I finally passed one, and then we'd go to another one, and I'd fail it, and then I'd have to go back and retrain. It. So my start in the Navy was the worst possible experience yeah. ever. <laughs> well, when you say <laughs> worst, though, like, well, I mean, I think of I just mean, just a constant, constant struggle. Yeah, to, I can see that. Not to get kicked out.
0: Yeah. You know, <laughs>
1: And what was funny about it is that intellectually I was near the top of the class. Mm-hmm. You know, I had no problem with the well, the academics. I always did extremely well in the academics. But that's that's where I was in life. You right. know, I was an academic kid and so but physically now.
0: Continue on to hear part six of this episode.